Hey, welcome back to No BS. I'm Danielle. I'm Christina. And today we have another special guest. Yay. Somebody that I've known for quite some time who actually got into the world of therapy shortly after I did, I think. Yeah. Um, but this is a friend of mine. And I guess our friendship kind of really evolved around the art world at first. Yes. yes. So Eileen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is so cool. We're very excited to have you. Yes. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So give us a little bit of an idea about like your background, what got you into the mental health field and the fateful day that we met in the hallway in Lincoln. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I can't even even believe you remember the name of this hallway. Yes. And I don't know if you know this, but do you know that you got me into art therapy? Like I didn't know what it was before you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do remember that. So yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I actually have a background in art therapy. My undergrad is in creative arts therapy. And then I moved into the counseling world in grad school. Um, But I fell in love with art. And so did Eileen. And we met actually in an art studio in college. Yes. Um, And then she kind of moved in a similar direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was one of those people in high school that couldn't really kind of figure it out. Um, I just spent a lot of time with friends and just enjoyed myself. So my natural progression was community college, which is amazing. And I found I was always into art in high school, but you know, not really passionate about it, just, you know, had a little bit of talent, I would say. Um, And then when I got to community college, it just all made sense. So I, you know, Dean's list through and through all the way and like saw my first A in my first art class and just decided to just love school. So, so yeah, I got my associate's degree in fine art and that's where I met Danielle. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And she goes, oh, well, next year I'm going to um, school for art therapy. And I was like, what is art therapy? What are you talking about? Um, (laughs) I've always kind of naturally loved helping people. I've, you know, was always that friend who was like, you know, the therapist in a way. So me and my mom looked it up and we were like, how is this real? And how did we not know about it? So um, you went first. You were a year ahead of me. Um, and then I went to undergrad, um, I did pre-art therapy in undergrad and I don't even know if I knew art therapy was a master's degree at that point for the, those of you who don't know to practice art therapy ethically, you do need a master's degree. That does not mean you cannot use art as a therapist. That just means to hold the art therapy title, it, you need a master's degree. So I you know, did all the interviews and got into the master's program. So I was lucky enough to have kind of like a dual degree. So it was art therapy and counseling. So that allowed me to get my um, LAC. So I'm a licensed associate counselor in New Jersey. But for the past, I would say five years, I, I practiced under just the art therapy title. And recently I got my LAC. So I passed. um, the big awful exam (laughs) in the middle of a pandemic. So I can't say that was the best day of my life, but I did it. I didn't even believe I passed when I passed. I I mean, it's wrong. It's such an awful test. Yeah. It's like you close your eye. I felt like, I mean, I studied so much, but how do you actually study for something like that? Yeah. That, that exam is brutal. Yeah. So for those of you who are like, what are they talking about? 
in New Jersey in order, because I know that a lot of you are from like different states and every state has different requirements. So for New Jersey, um, in order to become a licensed counselor, you have to one, get your master's degree and take the appropriate credits that you need for that master's degree to get the license. So there's additional credits you need to take. Then you have to take this exam. When you pass that exam, then you can apply to be a licensed associate counselor. Yes. And then after, once you get that, you have to get the proper supervision. You have to send that in. They have to approve your supervisor. And then you have to acquire 4,500 hours. 100 million it, hours. Of it, it's essentially three years of face-to-face -face work. <laughs> And then you can apply to get your um, LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor. So basically, if anybody lives in New Jersey and is working on this route, like congratulations, because literally every other state in the country will accept your credentials because, well, once you file with their state board, but yeah. because New Jersey is the worst state in the country for mm -hmm. professional licensing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you have that test, the national exam. So. Yeah. So art therapy, tell us about that. Art therapy, I mean, I feel like to me and, and to most of my colleagues, I hope, you know, it's it's an alternative, alternative form of expression, right? So I personally, in my practice with art therapy, use art as a way to kind of connect with people. It's, it's a different way for them to express themselves. It's really any form of creativity, any art materials. There's so, so many ways to use art therapy, but in general, you know, it's using the arts as a way to kind of assist in the therapeutic process. So individuals work in hospice care in inpatient psychiatric hospitals, outpatient settings. Um, it's, you know, there's people who specialize in hospital settings, in rehab facilities. It helps with cognition all that stuff reconnects all the fun parts of the brain. Um, there's some research that says, you know, where trauma lies, long-term trauma, art can activate that space in the brain. So, yeah. Yeah. I always thought of um, like art therapy has like this, well, I should say art in general kind of has this, uh, there's like a primitive part of the brain that's activated that like lizard brain stuff going mm -hmm. on, like, kind of tap into some of those deeper underlying core fears and negative core beliefs and, you know, all of that kind of fun stuff. And so like, yeah, I can speak for myself and say that like the creative process has been an integral part of my own healing, mm -hmm. um, especially like when I was going through some of like the ugliest emotional stuff in my life, I totally dove into art, like, oh, yeah. like my safe space, you know, so then thinking about that in conjunction with like the emotional processes of therapy, I mean, how much more powerful can it get? Yeah. And I, you know, throughout my career, I've, one of my favorite parts about the creative process is having that tangible object as like, you know, it, it's such a form of like taking whatever's going on inside and like externalizing it. I love that we can kind of keep it almost as like a log of our progress in therapy. Um, right now, as I'm doing some art therapy over the computer, you know, I'm like, oh, you got to keep it. You got to put the date on it, throw a title on it, you know, so you can reflect on that, you know, in a couple of months, you're like, oh, where was my headspace? Or, or how did I get through that time? You know, the similar, similar feeling or whatever the case may be. So it's just, it's just so tangible and you, you can, you can see your progress. So I, I just love it. It's great. Yeah. And like, even just reviewing, 
like when you start digging out old pieces, like, I don't know if you remember this lane. I think that, I think that this was a course we took together. I think it was 3d design. Uh, yeah when we had to do like a mixed media piece and I had that tea set. Do you remember my bloody tea set? I do remember. Yeah. You were so much cooler than I was. My I mom was like, that's she, that is, I'm nothing about that shocks me. Whatsoever. It was, yeah. Cool. It was a whole concept piece on like, um, generational abuse and like family trauma. And it was all old family Polaroids on like a silver tea tray with like a tea set that I broke and then created like this epoxy blood to like, it was like running all over the power. Yeah. <laughs> I love I think I have no idea what I did, but it was not that deep. Like I was still <laughs> so surface level, like, which is so funny. I've, I've always been that way with my own artwork. I'm actually really enjoying finding myself now. Like I love abstract art right now. And then like adding like little shapes, like I really kind of created art for someone else a lot. You know, not saying like I wouldn't sell my artwork, but really like, I always had like I was doing it for a project or I was doing it for a class or whatever. So I'm really enjoying now that I'm in private practice and I'm just in a calmer state of mind that like I can really figure out who I am as an artist. Whereas like Danielle was like doing her thing back in the day. And I'm like, oh, here's I think I did. I make a chandelier. No, that was the metal one. Remember the metal one we had to do? Yeah. We had to like bend metal. That was the worst. It was like welding and like all this crazy stuff. Yeah. I was like yeah. Greg the whole time. Yes. <laughs> Greg was our professor. Sorry if you're listening, Greg. Yes. So <laughs> Greg. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. I find it like incredibly fascinating because I'm I'm not I guess I'm some somewhat of an artistic human like I, mm-hmm. I I dabble and I love to like you know I like to paint for coping and all that I mean I do paint by book let's be real like I don't really do like I don't create yeah. art like like this one does over here but or like you do but what I found and I wanted to just point this out so Danielle and I worked together and that's how we met and um, we were in the same program so she did she had my my community so we were divided by gender so she was working with my community and she did an art therapy thing with them I did the I did Bowlby's attachment theory and had them draw birds the birds the birds nest my professor so my old professor Donna Kaiser developed Donna further Donna I yeah 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 she's a yeah yeah. she like literally she had these birds nests and she's like I want to just show you so this is what you know person a said and this is what I'm seeing in this. And and she's nailed. She doesn't know these people like I do. So I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah. What? How? From that rush, like from that dark moment, yeah. getting all this trauma, explain that. <laughs> and it was so cool. Like, I, I was yeah. so fascinated with it. Like, if I, I just thought it was so powerful and such a really amazing way to get people to connect to their. Mm-hmm. trauma or whatever it is that they were going through it's like self-expression and it was like really yeah like I don't know how she did what she did it was like witchery like it was great yeah Whoa. I know so. it, it, it's so it's so funny because like I the assessments like these these amazing people come up with these assessments yeah. and I'm like how how does this happen mm-hmm. but it's so funny because I've had like patient, you know, the patient and client where it is you know but actually patients when I was working in the psychiatric hospital they were like 
some of them wouldn't work with me because they thought I was going to read into their future. And I'm like, well, <laughs> let me just make sure you know this. This is not how, okay, so that's not how this works. First of all, like when we're talking evidence-based, there are some assessments that are very evidence-based, um, but the bulk of them are not. So if you're looking at, and you know, that doesn't take away from the field. It, it takes, um, it's studied. It's just like, you know, nobody's written enough papers yet, you know, right. but it's, it's getting there and people are doing their thing. But, you know, just because you draw this, you know, th- there's a hole in the tree, God forbid. <laughs> That's fine. That doesn't mean, you know, I am not, you know, so I had to like. Really- does not always mean that you have childhood sexual abuse. Yes. And that's the same thing with the hole in the tree with the squirrel in it right, or something. Right. And, and I had, I've had patients tell me this and I'm like, who was your art therapist? Because that's not how we're supposed to do things. Like, it's like, you know, you're supposed to keep your secrets to yourself kind of thing. You know, you're not like, Oh, well, this, this, ha- did you have sexual abuse? Like, that's not how it is. Right. So it's like, it, it's funny how the field is like, there's, but some people that's how they practice. And, you know, I can't, I can't knock it, but I think, I think my, what I gravitate towards with the artwork is more like it, it leads to something, you know, what I always say with people is, you know, when you were a baby, before you could talk, you were drawing, you were scribbling, you know, it's that it gave you words before you have them. And I think it's so powerful in that way yeah. because it lets us go back to that child space. Um, I have no idea who the quote's from. You guys may know, but um, everybody's an artist until they're told they're not. Mm. Yeah. Um, who said that? I don't remember, but someone great said that. And it sticks in my head all the time because we're so afraid to go to that vulnerable space sometimes. Like I, I have a, you know, adults like, oh no, I can't do that. It's too childish. I'm like, well, really though? Like, you know, we're not using crowns here. We're using acrylic paint. This stuff is expensive, (laughs) you know? And it's, 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 it's fascinating how afraid we are as like adults to let our guard down yeah so it, it does that I feel in a slow and safe manner yeah I think that, I never looked at it that way I think yeah. so much safety in art therapy because people at least in my experience people have and by all means I don't call myself an art therapist but I, yeah sometimes no. when it's appropriate but so many people are so concerned with it the, like their level of talent well I can't draw I'm like it doesn't matter if you can draw like me neither. <laughs> and I can get something from it. Just give me something. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. nice that you don't have to like, you know, in, in modern talk therapy, we sit down, we do this intense intake assessment. We ask about all of these things, like rip the bandaid off. Oh, which is so awkward, by the way. So awkward. <laughs> it's just like, oh, by the way, do you have any legal charges? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Criminal. Um, yeah. Whereas like with adding art into the mix, it kind of allows people to share that stuff, whether they realize it or not, without Mm -hmm. having to deal with the emotional process of like trusting a brand new person with all of this very deep private information. Yeah, I I, I thousand percent agree. And it's, it's when used correctly, you know, and and I want to say that I, I think it's important to recognize that just because you don't, you know, you had your undergrad in art therapy, which, which matters. And, and, you know, it's to be, to use art, you do not have to be an art therapist, right? Yes. We're trained in different things. We're trained in the assessments we're trained in, you know, like art teacher versus art therapist, let's say, 
No, an art teacher shouldn't be interpreting artwork. That doesn't mean there's such a isn't such a value in the art that they do with their kids in school. You know, it's almost like when it, you know, the diagnostic piece is missing. You know, that's why it's like, you know, some therapists they're like, oh, like art therapy. Does that mean I can't do art with my clients? No, that does not mean you can't do art with your clients. You know, that we that's why we're here. You know, we we realize from whoever doing art with clients that it's so meaningful so yes there's a further degree that can be pursued but you know that doesn't mean all of us cannot use art with our clients because it's so it's it's just amazing it's that holistic piece that I feel like a lot of therapists are really kind of gravitating towards now mm-hmm. yeah I love that that's so like new to me. Like I, I don't doubt it. Like, and I think it's really important that people understand the distinction between using art in therapy and being an art therapist. Um, yes. And I love that whole vulnerability thing. Um, and you mentioned you worked. So just a little bit about like where you work and you know what you do, you have experience working within um, a psychiatric hospital setting. Yes, I do. Yeah. So my, I have, I worked, for like four months in um, addiction. So as an inpatient addictions, right when I graduated, um, which was a fun time. And then it was great. It was great, but I just couldn't, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I just couldn't get full time. So I left and um, yes, then I went to an inpatient psychiatric hospital, which I interned at that same place. So I never thought that I would be back in, in inpatient psych. Um, it, it never really called to me when I was in school. I was actually just like scared the whole time. But as I developed some more confidence and, you know, got a little older, I felt a little bit more comfortable. And, you know, I met some of my best friends there, you know, in terms of colleagues. And I worked with so many amazing people. I mean, it was a state psychiatric hospital. So there are, you know, individuals who you're, you're working with so many different people, you know, there's so many different roles. I mean, from the frontline caretakers who are like assisting people with daily hygiene. And then there's the big wig doctors who are like making all those big decisions and the CEOs. And it's a lot of politics that I didn't love, but yeah. So I worked say like four and a half, almost five years I was there. And um, so I got COVID and I cannot say if it came from there, but I got it. And I just kind of realized that, you know, after I passed my exam, I always knew I didn't want to stay. It just wasn't, you know, that just wasn't what I wanted. It was a very high stress job. Um, I wasn't going to be um, a state lifer. It just was not my, not my calling. And I knew that from the beginning, but it was amazing experience. And I had some amazing art therapy mentors. So I, I don't regret it for a second, but you know, when you survive a a deadly pandemic, you kind of, your view kind of changes on the world. So I was like, you know, it's time to start this process. So I found my current position and I was like looking on Indeed and I had, I'd passed my exam, but I don't, didn't have like that paper yet. So I didn't officially have my LAC and I saw this posting and like the wording was like, do you want to develop your inner therapy nerd? And I was like, are you kidding me? Is this a real place? (laughs) And so my mom convinced me because I didn't want to lie on the application, right? I didn't want to say, but you couldn't put the application through unless you had a license. Like it just wouldn't let you do it. So my mom was like, she works with um, teaching something. She does like the background work for um, subs and stuff like that. Um, she's like, no, like if you're waiting on a 
a piece of paper and you have the exam, you can say, you know, and then you'll clarify, but she's like, you have to apply. This sounds like your dream job. And it totally did. And, and it's, you know, so I had two interviews and the women I interviewed with were just amazing. You, you know how you can just like kind of tell yep. that you're like, I'm going to fit in here. And, you know, they, they took a chance on me, you know, being a noob as an LAC. <laughs> and they actually offered it to me before I had my LAC officially. And like two days later, I got it in the mail and, you know, I gave my two weeks notice and here I am. So I'm, I'm working my dream job. I've never, I've never been this, felt this accepted and like in my niche before in my adult life. So now it's amazing. Now you're doing private practice. Are you still incorporating your skills as an art therapist in your private practice? Or have you sort of like ventured out into different things? Because I could speak for myself that I'm, worked in inpatient residential for most of my career Mm -hmm. and same very similar like you can only take that for so long you know that you're not going to be doing that forever like it's high high level you know and then I ventured into private practice and so did my skill set so my skill set just went from being like that niche for just addiction to like all kinds of different things that I'm learning about so what was that experience like for you yeah. So, and, and it's funny because, because my title was art therapist and that was, that was it, you know, and, and I, I was in inpatient, like state inpatient, like, I, I don't want to say end of the road, but kind of like it, it's the long-term, like people live there. Um, so a lot of what I did was increasing quality of life and like damage control, you know, essentially like, you know, you celebrated when you got through a 45 minute group, like you weren't, it really wasn't, you know, you weren't processing deep trauma because they, they weren't there. You know, the, the stability piece needs to be there. So when I was interviewing for mindful soul, you know, they were asking me my niche and what I specialize. In. <laughs> I'm like, look, I specialize in being a therapist. Like, you know, I didn't have my, my niche and, you know, so they took that chance on me. And now I'm like, I love adolescence and teens. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> never thought like, and, and I don't know if they knew that secretly or what, but, you know, the young adults was really my thing. When I was an inpatient, I worked on a uh, DBT unit, so which which I loved. Um, it, it was tough, but I loved it, and I learned so much. Um, you know, I, I'm not specialized in DBT, but I have had your basic trainings. So, but, but I've, you know, I have a training on internal family systems coming up, so, you know, kind of towards that trauma realm of things and, and trying to just just do things purposely and, and be educated on them as I possibly can. Um, and it's just a whole new world. I just, I can't say enough about it. It's, it's working with individuals who are able to take what you process and work on in session and then implement it into their everyday life. It's just, it blows my mind. I'm like, wait, you listen to what I said? <laughs> like, you, wait, you know, because an inpatient, like you're doing this work with them and sometimes it's amazing, but then they go back on the unit and get re-traumatized and it's not the fault of, and when I say re-traumatized, I just mean like the situation, like you're sharing a bathroom, you're, you're taking showers with other people, you, you know, people are screaming down the hallway and, you know, so it's, it's a lot of the work that you do and inpatient gets reversed and it's no one's fault. It's just the nature of the game and it's upsetting. I wish it was different. Um, and I met some amazing, you know, patients there clients that that I hope will do some advocacy work you know um once they get discharged but 
it's just a completely different experience as a therapist. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. I just, I get so frustrated. So I have history. I think you know this, Lean, but um, I have history working in psych hospitals as well. When I was in New York, I, I worked, it was a university medical center, but I worked on their adult psych units. There were three. And it was one of my favorite positions, actually. I absolutely mm-hmm. adored the patients that I had, but I was leaving work angry on a regular basis yeah. because yes. it was so flawed that it almost mm-hmm. sets people up to be stuck in a cycle of like, mm-hmm. you know, they might like take one step forward and like 10 steps back. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I, we give so much of ourselves and especially as a new therapist, like you're like, Oh, here's all of my, here's all my energy to every single person I encounter. Like, and then like when you start to be in the therapy world you know, for a little while, you're like, no, no, I only have 100% to give, to give, I can only give you 60. And that's just because I need to survive until, you know, like be able to drive home. Like I remember, yep. like, uh, there's so much secondary trauma as well. Like, I mm-hmm. have to say that, like, it's, and I was so happy to be a witness to these stories and, and to be able to be a person for these individuals. But you know, I, and I won't go into it, but I, I had a lot of traumatic experiences there that I am healing from still, um, you know, and doing my own work with my own therapist who thank God for her. She's like my favorite person. And, you know, she really helped me through a time where, you know, and, and I know you guys talk about this stuff openly, you know, I'm not ashamed of my own mental health struggles. And oh. um, yeah, I've, I've listened to all the podcasts. So <laughs> I love that about you guys. Um, I refer all my clients to listen to you all. But um yeah, it's, it's, you know, I was having some anxiety and I was like, man, like what separates us? Like why? And that was a big thing for me that I struggled with for a while, for about a year. And, you know, I found a a couple great therapists, one that led me to meditation and that side of life. And I'm like, wow, how did I function without that? And then, you know, she moved on, she moved. And then I found my current therapist who is, just um she just gets me and she you know we can meet together on that like therapist level that surface level stuff but when I really need that processing time and that support she she's great so it's it's an amazing niche in patient psych um I don't know how people stay there long term in terms of working there I mean you carry you I carry too much you know we all have that like empath highly sensitive person I mean that is me by definition so yeah, it's it's too much for me. So I, yeah. I made moves. Listen, I'm with you. I mean, Hurricane Sandy hit and that kind of like ended my time at the hospital, which I'm almost grateful for in a way because that hospital became the overflow. Mm. So everybody from, you know, Eastern Long Island ended up at my hospital and it was already the unit was already full. And then now there was even more people and they were understaffed. And like, I was burning emotionally, like when I was working there, when it was operating as usual. And then to think that, I mean, my heart for these clinicians, it was just, it's just such a brutal, it's a brutal system. But like, I think that, you know, one of the things that I hope, and part of the reason that Christina and I are even on this venture is because like the mental health world needs to change. 
Like I oh God, so much. Us yeah. clinicians have like the heart for what really needs to happen and are so bound by the system that like, you know, there's so many people really can't get their needs met because it's just not set up that way for them. Exactly. And, and, and being in a state facility and I've, I did, I worked a little while in more of a private inpatient setting and that's, that's one thing and it has its own challenges, but in a state facility, you have to like get permission to move a trash can. So like literally, like when I was leaving, that is what had to happen. So when I would look my client, cause there was a, there was a lot of high functioning individuals, you know, the, where I worked, it was yes, end of the road, long-term stay, but also just individuals who didn't have insurance and, and who were struggling, who were homeless, things like that. So you did have a lot of high functioning in, individuals. I worked with a lot of cruel people. So you know, crimes were committed when they were in psychosis and now they're not. And they're just like the most enjoyable individuals to that that I've ever spoken to. And, you know, you'd look them in the eye and just be like, I want to help you so bad, but I cannot control these rules and these regulations. And it's, I could talk about it for, for days. And I, I've thought myself about, you know, do I have to write a book? Like, what am (laughs) I doing here? Like people need to know. Yeah how limited you are you know oh god it's it's so deep it's so deep and I I wish there was change and there is change to be made and I think a lot of it's going to come from what you guys are doing but also the 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 clients and the patients who are in there um I used to encourage all of them I'm like you got to write a book you got to do something (laughs) do something not now not not anytime soon because you know you need to care for yourself but they know what they need, especially ones who are in sound mind and can make these decisions. Like, you know, why is everybody getting screamed at in the middle of the hallway to take a shower? Like how re-traumatizing, like waking somebody up out of a dead sleep to make sure, you know, it's just, yeah, I could talk about it for days. Yeah. I I completely, everything that you're saying, it's so stigmatized and people or individuals a a person is a person at the end of the day and sometimes within the system unfortunately um and that this could be a whole nother episode people don't get treated like people and it's really upsetting and um working in residential for substance use and it was you know short term i mean you know how many times did we send people to the hospital for like an abscess or something and they weren't even put in a room they were left on a gurney in the hallway because they uh, quote unquote addict from rehab. Right. And oh, it, it kills me. It really, it, it seriously breaks my heart. And when you talk about like dealing with like traumatizing things, working in a place like this for yourself, like the things that you see, like at the hands of like, um, higher ups making decisions that aren't um, in the best interest of the person. Like it is, it is daunting and it is so upsetting. Yeah. I'd advocate for people left and right. At the end of the day, my voice can't, you know, wasn't, didn't matter sometimes like mm-hmm. what I have. I know. Mm-hmm. It's so um, disheartening. There's not, yeah. There's not enough people. There's not enough people calling or speaking to people in power who are out of touch. You know, like, and that's one thing I can yeah. say for my current practice. Kate, um, the founder of Artemis Center for Guidance, was on our podcast um, a couple episodes ago, and she, I work for her in her practice, and. Um, she does an absolutely incredible job of staying up to date on what the state is doing, how it affects the mental health world. And, and literally in meetings saying, this is what's happening. Like call the governor's office and complain because this 
Um, Call and advocate for other therapists. Call and advocate for your clients. Mm -hmm. This is the number to call. This is who you text. This is who you email. And she's like, you know, how she managed to stay on top of all of that. But we need more people who are willing to take kind of move. And I'm guilty of being like, my voice doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, but we need people who are willing to speak because if like ones who are hands on. Yeah, it's, it's true. And, and, and in our private settings, like in, in, you know, our outpatient and private practice, like same here, like my, you know, my boss, you know, the head, the head of where, where I work, I mean, she's the same way and we try to, but it's, it's the big ones. It's the big systems. It's the, the ones who didn't get the early intervention, you know, those are the clients who end up in inpatient psychiatric hospitals a lot of the times, right? So it's the big wigs there mm-hmm. who have no idea. And I, I won't throw too much shade, but like, I don't <laughs> care now. Like I, I no idea what they're doing. Like you're sitting behind a desk and you're not listening to uh-huh. frontliners. Like, oh, especially during the pandemic, I cannot even... I can't even, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little too hot about this, but like, I would see, oh, oh, I can't like, like, you know, we'd have a new, new person in charge or whatever. And it's like, they change the system just mm-hmm. to say they changed the system. Like, you know, th- this thing that we've been doing for years that our patients love, we're going to take it away just so I can put my name on it. And it's just so political. And but they don't understand what they're doing to them. Like I would sit and I would process this with my clients who were able to, and they, you know, they, when I left, they had been in on their wards almost consistently for months. You know how, like how dangerous that is. First of all, how dangerous it is. Like, and then like, you don't have sunlight. Like, come on, like we can't do better. Like I understand deadly pandemic for sure, but like put on a mask, take the clients outside and separate them, you know? Cause it's, it's, it's so hard. It's so, totally. so I mean, I was, be done. I so was 21 years old interning in this hospital and in a staffing meeting, like in like a raised voice argument with the psychiatrist who was in charge of one of my <laughs> client's cases, because I'm like, you're talking about discharging them. First of all, you changed their meds yesterday. And second of all, can't get out of bed he's a zombie he can't function he can't function anyway and then you're gonna make it worse like yeah and they come back a yeah. week later care. Yeah. they don't care I, I shouldn't yeah. say that I shouldn't say that they don't care and we've talked about this before in our podcast as well is that I think that the things that you and I yeah it's you more than I have um but that burnout factor is so high it's so bad and oh. I think that even when it comes to like the big wigs they're just trying to get their shit done so they can move on because everyone burnt and yes they have so much pressure and like when I say and and when I say yes or some of our psychiatrists definitely you know when I was there but like I I did interact with some were just that were so amazing but they can't they can only do as much Mm -hmm. as this person allows and this but when you got all the way to the top it was I'm sorry but it was somebody who had no idea what was going on like I almost wish that the (laughs) psychiatrists were (laughs) we're the ones running the show because maybe we'd have like maybe they'd be able to step away from clients and like reconnect with why they got into the field but when you're you know it's just you're just med pushing and you're just you know I met some amazing ones and right before I left I worked with a couple psychiatrists on my dbt unit that um really did the work and it was a lot of work but they really 
tried their best to hear, you know, the patients and, you know, they did what they could, but you know, it's, it's just so flawed. It's almost like, where do you start? And I think, you know, you start with Mm -hmm. stuff like this, like, you know, and, and I love the openness about mental health right now. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be a part of it. So as we're awesome. So you talked a lot about, you know, obviously you're in private practice now. Um, I, one more question before, you know, we wrap up, like, what is your focus now? Like, what are you focusing on now? Cause I know it's not just the whole art piece. Like what is your main focus? Yeah. So I have a lot of, um, so, and I think, I think I got hired for, I don't even know now. Cause, and you guys know this, like everybody needs therapy right now. So my, you know, the company that I work for and, you know, they have a wait list for like months and months and months. Like, so I was hired really for like adolescent teens. Um, but my caseload is like yeah. 12 to 53 right now. So, you know, a lot of what I'm working with is, um, severe anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder, um, depression, you know, whether or not it's onset is the pandemic, it's usually not. But a lot of those processing and developing skills and, and just um, like accepting where we are, I'm doing a lot of that, that kind of like 13 to 18 range, I feel like is like 50% of my caseload right now. And, and I'm working so much with um, body acceptance and, uh, like, oh, I can't even. And it's so contagious. I want to say, you know, without getting into specifics, I have some like young clients that some of the things that they say to me is so like, I feel it like on a deep level. Like I've almost like, it's like, you know, you address your own stuff sometimes. Well, not it definitely system, forces you, know you to look I mean? at yourself like, differently. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm going to go eat, you know, and it's, it's so, it's so young. I mean, you know, anyway. So yes. So a lot of body acceptance, a lot of not judging where we're at right now. Like, yes, some people have made career changes and have, you know, adopted dogs and have like started their own businesses, but like the bulk of us, like we're surviving. Right. So the goal right now is to survive and, you know, work on ourselves as much as we can, but, you know, let's like decrease that judgment. So like, I'm working on a lot of like wording with people like, Oh, I I wish I could be doing this or I should be doing this. I was like, no, no. I was like, yes, this is your goal. But what you are doing is you're trying and you're in therapy. So that's like, you know the only thing you have to do is come every week like this is you know or every other week like you know so it's it's a lot of that anxiety piece and that depression piece and and the like grounding people and working on a lot of that with them like you know a lot of those mindfulness skills I'm doing a lot of and developing Um, I have a training actually this week on internal family systems so I, 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 I don't I don't know if you guys have looked into that at all but you know it it speaks to the parts of individuals which I'm really interested in you know what part needs this what what part you know is protecting you like so I'm just so excited to learn more about that because I I feel that way myself like oh I have this part of myself and that part of myself and it's like you know really seeing what needs attention I am doing art therapy with some clients which I'm really excited about um but it's, you know, it's their choice, which I like. Whereas when I was in, you know, my title is not art therapist, it's therapist. But I love working with, you know, some of the clients I'm working, you know, a lot of, a lot of like, um, their passions and processing certain feelings and, you know, finding new things out about themselves. You and I are very similar. (laughs) 
and how we approach clients I think that that's so cool like when you can like connect because I I don't know like I don't know you at all but um I know Danielle does and Danielle and I are similar and we have our differences we worked really well together um when when we weren't arguing but like we worked (laughs) we we worked really well together um in the in a program but but it's really kind of cool to hear someone who has similar style to you and the approach is very similar so I guess my imposter syndrome is like okay Christine you are doing something right like it's okay (laughs) someone else is doing what you're doing oh I feel that on a deep level yes I feel like I'm in supervision right now and my 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 boss she's like this this boss woman I just can't get enough of her and she's like my boss slash supervisor and when she like agrees with me or like tells me like oh yeah like like I'm like oh my god (laughs) Like, I, okay, I did that, like, because, you know, you're right. Like, that imposter syndrome, like, really, am I, like, in charge of people's well-being right now? Like, in a way, best advice I ever got from a supervisor was when I was in the hospital. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, good. Like, if you ever think that you know what you're doing, you need to check. Yeah. And you said that to me. I remember Danielle. And Danielle was a huge part, I have to say. Like, I was texting her. I was like, I'm applying for this job. She's like, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And I'm like, am I though? Like I'm leaving a pension. I'm leaving Benny, like good state benefits. I'm leaving loan forgiveness. And I can say I have not regretted it mm-hmm. for a millisecond. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm keep the loans. I'll pay them until I die. I don't really care. Like I, there, you know, the insurance is a little bit yeah. more expensive, but Hey, they offer it, which a lot of private practices don't. So, um, I'm living the dream. I feel like as much as you can in the 2020. Yeah, I think it's really cool too. Era. I think it's cool too that like yes, as a, as as clinicians, you know, we do grow too, and we grow to fit what's going on in the world because none of us ever anticipated this global yeah. pandemic. So as we are adapting no. to this pandemic, we are also a sounding board for our clients to adapt to this pandemic so everyone's like navigating this together and I think it's really important that listeners understand that I can't speak for every therapist obviously but we are constantly evolving our skills and growing as we grow as individuals so do our skills and it's nice to have that opportunity to go from one environment to the other and see where we can take that natural ability that we have and how we can best help I love that. And, and I, and I want to say as like a definitely like a, and sometimes this is like a stigmatized word, but a client centered person centered therapist, like, right. What do you need from me? You know what, you know, and then, you know, I have individuals who are struggling with things that I can, you know, I've worked with, but I can't, you know, I don't specialize in it. Right. So I work my butt off to, and I have a, like I said, my practice is full with a bunch of badass women. And I'm like, I post and I'm like, help me what you know and then they're like no like this is what it's like okay that's what I thought too you know so it's like you know when, when I'm thinking clients and like your listeners like you know when you're searching for your therapist yeah. and just just communicate your needs like what do you need from us mm-hmm. because we are here for you I'm not here for my own agenda like I'm getting paid right for this exactly. hour. what do you need from me and and that's where I and with myself you know and that's why I, where I found them find the most success like I'll do some deep processing with somebody one day and the next day I'm like, you know, like, give me a boundary. What do you not want to touch? Let's not touch it. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, Eileen, we would really love to have you back. I know I want to talk. Yeah. If we, if we have you back, back. I really want to talk a little bit more about the work you're doing, you know, now. And, um, and I know that Danielle had mentioned you do a lot of work with like self-esteem and stuff. And so do I, and I'm very passionate about 
Um, and yeah. we were talking about doing an episode on that and we would love to have you on for that. Like, I think that would be awesome to get all these different perspectives. On you that. know, yeah, I would love to do it. And like that stuff, like I would love to just be more open about it and, and just be able to kind of like, you know, suss out like what, what we're all working on and the self I'm so passionate about yeah. it. I'm so passionate. Yeah. About you it know, all. we've been so lucky doing this podcast. I was thinking is we were asking you to come back for another episode, Lean, like, I think that we've, we have gotten to be so blessed with the guests that we've had on our show. Like blessed. we have had fantastic people that amazing. I think like, wow, this was great. Yeah. yeah. Every time I'm like, that was so cool. Like, cause we get to talk to all these different people, like get, get into someone's brain. It's but so like nice. the, net- I lo- the network is really cool. Yeah. I was thinking as you were talking, Lean, like, you know, yeah. um, I'm thinking of like my, my like wild early college days and like like the people that yeah I was spending time with have turned into these like amazing professionals and like such a cool network of mm-hmm. people I know and and I needed to say this and I don't know if you'll add it but Danielle oh. <laughs> I am so proud of you and I cannot like I and I knew like we knew like I knew you would be this way and like change the world but I'm just I, you know, life happens and, and we lost a little bit of connection and I'm just so happy to be a witness to this process. And I, I just hope I can support yep. you guys in any way, any way you need. It's just, it's <laughs> Thank you so much. I, no, don't, absolutely. Don't touch me. I just Hi. wanted to give you a hug from her. I don't want I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Sorry. I know. <laughs> no, we definitely need to continue with collaboration for sure. Yeah. And like, you know, I think that getting this new generation of clinicians, whether it's in this area or just in the United States as a whole together, like on the same page with a similar vision mm-hmm. and purpose is so important yeah. to making changes. Yeah. I agree. Thank you. Well, Absolutely. thank you again yeah. so, so much. Definitely. We were so thrilled to have you. And for our listeners, as always, we have our National Suicide Lifeline at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. You can find more information about our podcast and upcoming episodes and guests at um, our, our social media pages. So at no underscore BS therapy on both TikTok and Instagram. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in again and um, stay tuned for future episodes. See you guys in the next episode. (laughs) If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or desire to self-harm, please reach out to the National Suicide Lifeline at 800-273-8255 for 24-hour support.